0: The whole sequence formed what we began to realise was one huge caldera structure. And when we added up the volumes of felsic magma produced, this represented a fossil supervolcano right in the centre of Australia.
1: Welcome to The Rocks Beneath Our Feet. In this series, five geologists talk about the years devoted to working for the Geological Survey of Western Australia, from understanding early life to the tectonic processes that shaped our planet and making the maps that unearth our understanding of Western Australia's geology, they reveal their shared passion for discovering the stories in the rocks beneath our feet. I'm Julie Hollis. In this episode, Hugh Smithies talks about the Musgraves mapping project, which led to discoveries that would lay the basis for understanding the geology of a vast region undercover in the Western and South Australian border region.
0: That was the next step in my journey in the geological survey. I moved over, I think it was in 2005. By that stage, Nebo Babel had been discovered. So that's a big Gabbro-hosted nickel copper sulphide deposit. And all of a sudden, a piece of ground that was up to that stage not perceived. To be particularly prospective was hot property. The only sort of Problem in that, you know, represents probably one of the absolute heartlands of Aboriginal Central Australia. And so the opportunities for companies to get in were very limited. But nevertheless, from a purely geological perspective, it was clearly important that we got in there and we tried to understand what the region represented for us, not particularly from the economic perspective, but from the pure scientific perspective that Musgroves We always suspected it was a pivotal part of the protozoic evolution of Australia. We started scoping out the possibility of setting up a program in 2005. The then assistant director of the survey was was Mike Donaldson. I remember Mike, when we were first setting the project up, looked at the map and said, Oh, yeah, it's about five years' work. That should be done in five years. And I think Mike. Didn't really come from a very strong background in regional mapping. And, um, <laughs> and I just smiled and nodded at him and, and thought, yeah, mate, we'll, be, we'll still be here in 10. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. What's the drive like? So we would drive to Kalgoorlie, that's a day. And um, the next day we would drive to Laverton, um, usually referred to by the locals as LA, a thriving metropolis, both houses. <laughs> that's where the bitumen stopped. So by that stage, well, we'd traveled. Well over a thousand kilometres, and the whole of the next day was spent driving to Chukela Roadhouse, just simply a roadhouse uh, in the middle of nowhere. And the day after that, late that day, we were on outcrop. So what's that? That's four days of continuous driving, of which at least half of it was totally on gravel roads. Yeah. So it was a long trip our trips were typically only three weeks long not including the drives right in some cases a bit longer than that but um we used to have mid-trip rest stop and we'd actually drive from the Musgraves into the Northern Territory to Curtin Springs Mm -hmm. and have a wash and a shower do our clothes washing have a quiet drink and then next day 600 kilometers all the way back to get back into the mapping wow yeah the distances were quite extraordinary
1: yeah. And what's the country like out there where you're doing the mapping?
0: Beautiful. Beautiful desert. Absolutely pristine area. And occasionally you'd come across these forests of desert oak. Oh wow. Just a casuarina species. Yeah, and these these things were quite extensive, quite heavily wooded, very difficult to drive through if you had to. They attracted the major mitchell cockatoos as well, which I'd never seen a major mitchell cockatoo in the bush until I got out to the musgroves. So it it was heavily duned, but The strike ridges cut through the dunes and, you know, the topography on the strike ridges, it was was very rugged but not particularly high. You know, when you get those granite copy outcrops, beautiful rounded granite tours forming copies with fig trees in the midst of a sort of hidden, Mm. hidden in amongst sand dunes. Wow. It's that sort of absolutely spectacular desert, Yeah, just a very special place.
1: Yeah. In terms of the geology, what were the big advances?
0: What we had it was the 1300, 1330 calc-alkaline, the Wunkunkie super suite. This was a 1300 arc sequence. They had a very, very classic Phanerozoic calc-alkaline arc, continental arc, in fact, signature to them. That was a relatively new discovery. But I think more than that was how unusual the much more voluminous a sort of 1180 to 1220 million-year-old Pigeon super-sweet group of rocks were. Now, it was always recognised that there was a suite of Charnakitic rocks out in the Musgroves, but the true relevance of those, the implications of those being there, was really brought out by our work out there. These things were essentially a group of A-type granitic magmas, particularly enriched in phosphorus and titanium, but they they included a a group of orthopyroxene-bearing monzogranitic to cyanogranitic rocks, it was primary orthopyroxene. So these represented true charnockitic intrusions and the compositionally directly related to the greater number of rocks that didn't have orthopyroxene. These are biotypes, in some cases hornblende biotype bearing, granodirect, more commonly monzogranitic rocks. Mm-hmm. These things were highly voluminous, on average very anhydrous, extremely high temperature rocks. And they were isotopically very, very primitive, very radiogenic, neodymium, hafnium isotopic signatures. In fact, I think they probably still represent one of the most juvenile components of sort of mid proterozoic central Australia. Mm -hmm. These things related basically back to a very, very primitive source at about 2 billion years. Mm -hmm. Chris Kirkland had joined the geological survey by that stage. He spent a lot of time out there. He was dealing with the geochronological and isotopic side of the project. And so this is where Chris came up with the concept of this two billion-year-old Merling Ocean that we now believe probably separated the Western Australian, North Australian and South Australian cratons beginning at around two billion years. Right. We were working at that stage alongside the South Australian Geological Survey, uh, looking at their part of the world and with Adelaide University, in particular Dave Kelsey, and again, we had one of these collections of really interested and really exciting geoscientists. It basically turned out that what the Pitch and Jarrah Super Suite represented ended up being probably the world's largest ultra-high temperature metamorphic terrains. Mm. We're looking at pressures of five, six kilobars, maybe even lower, and at temperatures in excess of 1,000 degrees. Yeah. This event persisted for upwards of 40 million years. Mm. And the only way we could reconcile that high heat flow over such a wide area for such a long time at that stage is we sort of thought of it as if the rigid Archean deep Archean keels that underlay the Western Australian Craton and the North Australian Craton and the South Australian Craton, when these things converged, they couldn't completely converge. And so they always left this window of thin 2 billion-year-old dominantly mafic crust that just sat there and stewed, right. and all of the mantle upwelling was channeled by these keels into this collective hotspot that just underwent hell for 40 million years. <laughs> so that was quite an extraordinary geological slant mm. to the Musgroves. Of course, on top of that, we had the Warrakuna event at 1070. The more famous manifestation of that is the Warrakuna large igneous province. You get the dollarite dikes that cover the, a vast area of central Australia, but it also produced quite a thick series of basalts and, and intercalated dacitic to rhyolitic volcanics. Mm-hmm. And these things were, in most cases, beautifully preserved, flat lying volcanic and volcanoclastic sequences. Now, a lot of these things were ignimbrites, rheomorphic ignimbrites. They showed an absolute wealth of beautiful volcanic textures. They're just a, hmm. a volcanologist's absolute dream. And also a geochemist's dream as well. It turns out that, again, really high temperature A-type felsic volcanics, the mafic sequence, they were asthenospheric, broadly tholeitic compositions. The whole sequence formed what we, after a while, we began to realise was one huge caldera structure. Right. And when we added up the volumes of felsic magma produced, some of the specific Layers exceeded what was required for them to be interpreted as the result of supervolcano eruptions. Yeah, this represented a fossil supervolcano, so 1040 to 1070 million year old fossil supervolcano right in the center of Australia. (laughs) When Chris did all of his magic with the zircons, it turned out that some of these felsic volcanics were absolutely crowded with antichrists, so zircon crystals that were more or less genetically related to the same magmatic system. But if you follow that logic, it meant that not only was this a supervolcano, but it represented one of the longest-lived supervolcanic systems that the world's ever known. Hmm. And and on top of that, when Chris did the oxygen isotopic work on the zircons, they're characterised by really light oxygen, which is typical of caldera systems. Hmm. So it was one of the largest light oxygen systems known of you now, we're talking about Yellowstone-sized things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just amazing. The 1180 to 1220 million-year-old Pigeon super suite represented quite an extraordinary metamorphic environment. Now, at that stage, yeah, you know, it was restricted to the muskrose but but subsequent studies have shown that it extended all the way under the Eucla basement down into the Albany Fraser, uh, representing a dramatic high-temperature event that Kathajari started referring to it as the Meralinga event quite appropriately in a sense. Yeah. That was really neat. And at that stage, Kath was endeavouring to sort of produce our first remotely sensed geophysical regional map. This is our first real foray into the world of mapping undercover using the available geology and as much remotely sensed data as we can get. The real gem of that project was to put down a series of stratigraphic holes that just emerged to be a, an amazingly successful project that just added so much information in terms of what underlies that huge area of southeastern Western Australia and southwestern South Australia that's just covered by the Euclid Basement. Mm. We basically established that it shared a history very much like the South Australian part of the, the, the Musgroves and the Western Australian part of the Musgroves a lot of the rocks there were again isotopically rooted in chris kirkland's two billion year old mooning ocean right that we could relate based on the ages the isotopes and the geochemistry what we could relate to a series of closing oceanic arcs we had everything there from real classic phanerozoic calc alkaline basaltic units to a series of beautiful shoshinitic intrusions on top of that we had the Pitch and Jarrah Super suite again, this, this 1180 to 1200 million-year-old ultra-high temperature metamorphic terrain, again, which led us to suggest that that part of the connection between Western Australia and, and, and South Australia had never been allowed to go to completion. Right. Uh, against the actual archaean buttress of the Western Australian craton we we had preserved quite quite correctly, I think, was interpreted as an ophelite complex. Mm-hmm. Another one of these areas where it just had so much and still does probably so much to offer in terms of geological discoveries. It seems
1: pretty impressive on the basis of almost no outcrop.
0: Absolutely, and what that project showed us was how with a really good geophysical interpretation with limited and in some cases virtually no outcrop input but with just a bit of diamond drill hole control, how much information you can ultimately get In these regions of Western Australia, of South Australia, of Northern Territory and Queensland, these vast regions that are almost entirely covered by younger sedimentary basins, If your intent is to investigate the basement rock and the basement rock prospectivity. A lot of our geological enterprises now are set up along these lines. In a sense, it probably formed the basis upon which the whole National Drilling Initiative that's now operating...
1: And returning to the Musgraves ultra high temperature metamorphic zone that extends south toward the Albany Fraser origin,
0: it was quite interesting because we explained this to the traditional owners and we showed them the uh, the aeromagnetic signatures where these what we refer to as hot rocks disappeared under the regolith, and they were absolutely fascinated because it, it just so turned out, you know, I'd say coincidence. They say it was always meant to be. It just so turned out that some of their dreaming trails followed the buried trails of these really hot rocks. (laughs) Their dreaming explained these things in terms of the passage of hot things. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was spookingly coincidental.
1: You've been listening to The Rocks Beneath Our Feet. You can discover more about GSWA by visiting dmp.wa.gov.au forward slash GSWA or find GSWA on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you like what you've heard, give them a follow.